0: Welcome to For the Love of Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you courtesy of Louise. Louise is chosen for her topic, election. And her task for me was to watch the recent Irish election results. And we'll discuss how that went later and whether or not that inspired me to be as passionate about elections as she is. But first, let's get to know Louise.
1: Um, I'm 38, I'm, oh my god, I'm 38, oh. um, I'm from Northern Ireland, or the north of Ireland, or whatever way you want to put it, um, and apparently, it transpires, I am an election nerd, you know, I'm not one of those people who knows everything about everything about elections, and you know, but that doesn't stop me from being really excited about, about it, and, you know, I think there's an awful lot of, well, how much do you really know about this stuff in the world, and I think we should just lay off on that a little bit, so. So I'm not I'm not here to tell people everything
0: about elections or know everything (laughs) not saying that I just really like them. That's okay That's why you're here. Yeah. What is it that started? Like do you always love elections? Were you like a five-year-old that ran down and went? Oh, I saw this on television and Suddenly it was sparked like I remember my first election Awareness was probably like the Dukakis election. Um, Was there a moment that you realized that this was it that it had won your heart?
1: That's a pretty good question i'm not sure because like most of my memories as a kid were i would have lumped elections and things in with the news mm. and the news is the thing that my dad made us turn cartoons off so he can watch at specific times that are always inconvenient to us and um <laughs> yeah I, I guess like that so that whole you know current affairs politics and all the rest of it i do remember being a kid and asking questions and things being interesting like for example I remember my dad saying like the news was on one day and obviously like when you're a kid when you're seven it's just like a normal you've just gone to school it's every day. and my dad saying this is important you need to watch this and it was the Berlin Wall falling oh, yes. so I have a memory of that and I'm so grateful to my dad for that for having a memory of that so I kind of sometimes lump all of that together like you know things in the world happening and um, because I think that a lot of times the movement of the world and what happens in it. The election is the first part of it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, it's the monumental, like, oh my God, moment where you realize that things are not going to be the same as they were because something very, very different has happened. So I guess sometimes I feel that being, growing up in Northern Ireland, where it was just about us versus them, green versus orange, that I didn't necessarily have the same love for it because it just represented you know something awful it was part of something awful which was us not getting to have my like, summer holidays or right. you know
0: you
1: know the summer holiday thing was a big deal because like you know you, know, you get like three days of good weather a year in northern ireland and your mum says you can't go out because there's an orange parade down the street <laughs> and we you might get you know you, like jumped for being a catholic or something you know so yeah i don't think i necessarily had that i do remember though like thinking, I do remember feeling it was important, and I do remember the first time... I, I remember as well being annoyed that I couldn't vote when I was 16. Oh, and wow. when I was 15, I was annoyed I couldn't... like. So by the time I became a teenager, it bothered me that I was deemed to be somehow lacking just for my age. And I found that to be a really stupid analysis because I knew a lot of adults who didn't have any common sense or didn't know as much about the parties or po- the policies. You know, they just had, you know, what, what I felt to be like really basic ideas and then they just voted the way they thought their dad told them to or whatever. But yeah, so I remember thinking, why, why is it that, you know, I can't? So definitely by right. the time I was 14, 15,
0: I'd remember that that had shifted. Do you think that being in Northern Ireland, um, is what, is, do you think that you would be as passionate about in elections if you hadn't had that experience in Northern Ireland where, um, you felt that it maybe didn't have as much of an effect, whereas, had you been in America or different countries where, you know, there just seems to be a real lackadaisical approach to elections yeah. because you don't feel it as much in such large places. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that even though you were frustrated with what was happening in Northern Ireland, that it is also what made you so, you know, into it? it, into it? <laughs> like, really. Possibly.
1: Um, possibly, like I suppose, like you know, you see like these, um, like surveys and stuff done of like really big superpower countries, like you know, for example, the United States, r- Russia, and mm-hmm. um, like even things like the, um, England, you know, as, as the sort of lead United Kingdom member, and the apathy that exists there. This is pre Brexit, yeah. obviously, being powerful comes in, you know, ability to be ignorant, I suppose. Yeah. Willow. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. So I suppose yeah. There, there are a lot of studies that show that you know so the bigger a country and the more superpowery, the more apathetic people get to be mm-hmm. because they don't have to worry so much because they're not the disenfranchised ones. They're not the ones being bombed. They're you know they live in the superpower country. Yeah. So and I obviously didn't. So and obviously there was a lot going on when I was when I was young. The troubles were still, um, you know, enjoying the arse end of their mm-hmm. existence and and um, so yeah, maybe. But I think mostly though, like, I think mostly it's more like entertainment for me because yeah. I, I don't watch soaps, okay? Like, I'm, you know, when you, when you think of things that people do and things people get excited about, um, I don't watch soap operas. I, you know, I don't really care about a lot of things that other people, I don't buy the same magazines. As mm. other people. I always found that i don't have the same music tastes as, as many people I grew up with, many of my peers. Um, so I always found myself to be a little different that way. But I actually found that it's not just politics. I used to watch like the Brit Awards obsessively as well. <laughs> Maybe I just like people, be- people voting for things. Just, just the like, <laughs> It's just the excitement. Like I find that the, like even watching the show where there's the anticipation mm-hmm. and the, in terms of politics, the swing, like when you see yeah. the you know, you you, like, you get to care about places that you've never heard about like these Like constituencies with random names, like you know, in middle South England, and and, you know, and suddenly. It's like an opportunity to talk about them, like you're an expert. So you be went, oh, well, of course, you know, last year, like the last election, that you know, the Conservatives <laughs> had were marginal, but 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 you know, the trajectory has been, it was a Labour safe hold back in, in, in the 1970s. That really changed everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you suddenly become an expert in all this, stuff and you're talking about as it, I like, always know it. You just heard John Snow say it on Channel Four, and I I I totally buy into that. And
0: incidentally, I'm the same with anything else I get obsessed with. Like, do you have? a favorite election is there like an election that you watched and you're just like this is this is the election to watch elections or do you just have a favorite election in terms of whenever a certain election comes around it's the one that you will um watch no matter what happens
1: i'll always watch the american presidential and there was one time um in my adult life that i didn't i went to bed early and i have a very distinct memory of my then boyfriend now (laughs) ex-boyfriend Waking me up and saying, "I'm sorry, babe. Bush got back in." And it was <laughs> W. And I just, I remember that quite clearly because I think at that point I had just thought I I'd stayed up to to maybe two three in the morning and thought I like, two in the morning so I thought no I can't do this this is this is too depressing, but for yeah mostly for American elections I will watch them and I'll watch them not necessarily to the better end but to the statistically better end as in where, right. you know like it's like you know beyond it's the be point okay. yeah um love a referendum at the Scottish referendum, I sat up and watched that. Um and I love I love our local elections, I love the Irish elections because they use single transferable vote. So it's not a simple um you know somebody gets this amount of first preferences, therefore they win. If they get this amount of preferences, but have they reached the quota? And if they haven't reached the quota, then you go down to second preference. And then everything can change in (laughs) a blink of an eye, because then you start getting into the psychology of, well, people voted this person number one, but then where did they go after that? And that is where it gets really fascinating. So you have a combination of, say for example, a person gets the first preference votes and they're way over the quota. So they've got all these extra votes, what's called a surplus then how is their surplus distributed? Mm-hmm. And that can be a re- make a really big change. Like, for example, Sinn Féin didn't run enough candidates in the last Irish election um, because they didn't anticipate just how popular they were right. going to be. They ended up winning the popular vote. Um, so what ended up happening was Sinn Féin got all these votes. They, came, they topped the polls in pretty much almost all the flipping constituencies. And then they had all the surplus. And it went to people who were like smaller marginal left parties, like who would not have gotten that if a, you know, people hadn't made this big shift in their house. But B, if Sinn Féin had run enough candidates, would they have gotten? Who knows? So, um, like I find that interesting. And then from the other end, people who get eliminated, how do you redistribute theirs? And like in, I, I I'm not sure if it's different between between countries. I've always would have, I've always wanted to be in account centre for a single transferable vote election so I can actually see them doing the tallies and doing the maths because that would be like the dream. I have managed, and that sounds so nerdy, I have managed to, like once, I did work for the electoral office once um, and I did a count, so I did that, but like I was literally I was just divvying up mm-hmm. people, you know, into piles and then giving them to someone else to, to verify and then really there ended the the drama because it was just pretty simple. Counts of this person got the most Xs, right. therefore this person wins. But one day, what? And, and I can't look. Like, I can't get in for any other reason because I, I also don't believe in being a member of a party. Okay. So I'd much like my love of elections is such that I want to be always party apolitical, so I can like A because I don't like being told what to do. So and B because I just like the idea of just I don't know always having the choice of you know. Allying, not allying, because it's not allying, if, if you're allying you're with or on the same level as someone. Right. I think as the electorate, we own those people, you know what I mean? Right. So as a person who's not party politically allied, it's like, what what can you guys do for me? So I quite like separateness from party politics. Uh, if Nisra come and ask me to be part of a statistical survey, of course. oh my God, the number of cups of tea that I have given like the fine, fine people of Nisra, um, just so I can be part of their surveys, Yeah.
0: I'm so excited to be part of a statistical a statistical like, you know, control group. So there's yeah. a there's an indication there that it's it's not even just the elections, but it's the the statistics, the math, the psychology behind it, which I think yeah. not a lot of people consider in elections. A lot of times when people are going to vote or whatever, they're only thinking, Well, this is just a vote, it's about politics and politics is something that's uh, detached from me, but when you're talking about it, you're considering well, no, it's you know the the whole sense of um, how your vote counts in terms of what you're thinking, in terms of the statistics, in terms of it's almost like um, a, a gambling type of addiction exactly where you're kind it. of like, how do I how do I play this in order to make sure the the horse I want to win the race you know wins, or that the best mm. bet is laid in terms of that, that it's and also that it's this consideration of. Your your top choice is, you know, that can be quite easy, but it's then when you have to get down to your second, third, and fourth choice. That's frost That's that actually strategic. Y- when you start to wonder about, do I vote strategy? Do I vote mm-hmm. um, issue? How do I vote here? And um, I think it's, for me, there's something current about that and this big conversation that's going on in America at the moment about electability. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, Bernie Sanders is quite popular and he's pulling in the most people, Um, at his rallies and he's winning all of these different votes but then all you're hearing about is yes but is he electable
1: yeah well the interesting thing I suppose and the thing I love about single transferable vote is that there is an honesty to it you don't need to be as tactical Mm -hmm. you do for but with first past the vote you do and I you know much as I hate those conversations about electability because it smacks of that like it, it does kind of make that was it that Elitism, um, saying yeah, but I know that you guys feel that way. But come mm-hmm. on, the big boys are talking now. We right. have to a sensible candidate. Look how that worked out with Hillary Clinton. Um, but I do understand to an extent those conversations because you know you I- in the U.S. you have people who are registered Republicans, mm-hmm. people who are registered Democrat. Now, like they're not budging. It's this weird mass of independence that you have to you have to win over. And th- the question as to who are they and right. what wins them over. So I do kind of get that to an extent, it makes me sad though, because actually, you know, we have very, very few opportunities. Like it's not the Agora, we don't right. get to actually go down every week and, you know, you know, pounce someone in the face to get our, well, that's not how the Agora works. But you know that, like, you know, that actual, true democracy of right. showing up. Like we're, re- in representative democracy, you get once every couple of years to, you know, register how you feel and what your thoughts on the state of the nation are. And, you know, if you end up then, Having to vote tactically, I can see how it would be very frustrating. Like in with the single transferable vote system, I do vote tactically as well mm-hmm. because sometimes when you get down to the, the preference, I vote. I, I subscribe first. I need to say to vote till you vote. Okay, and vote till you vote means you vote all the way down. You don't just do one, two, three. You no, like, there's run. twelve. You go <laughs> down to twelve, or at least you go down as far as you can stomach. So if there are, if there's a couple of candidates or a couple of parties that um, that you just think I will throw up if I have to write a number behind them, fine. I personally don't. You know, there's, there's very few parties that I won't be able to find. You know, a number. If there is a like, and the way I look at it is if you know, like take everything out. You've already given your preferences. But if there's a dogfight between this party and this party which one you know which one edges it and so yeah, yeah. you know and it means that you know my vote which already doesn't count for very much counts for more and i like the idea of being represented and having for just that one day only a little bit of power when you know i think a lot of time we are effectively yeah. quite powerless but um but you you made a good point actually about gambling because my dad actually made an interesting point. I think it was for the dinner table at Christmas this year or something. I'm not sure, but um, he was talking about gambling. Um, my dad likes a flutter on the and the horses, but we're talking like very small amounts. Now he will do some like we accumulatory things, but he still don't put that much money on them. Yeah. It's more to do with again for him it's the strategy and the tactics and the maths. But what he said um, to me recently in a conversation about it was that the thing about gamblers and people who are addicted to gambling it's not that it's not their love of winning it's their love of losing Mm. because if you won all the time it wouldn't be as exciting it would not be as exciting like and i know that in losing obviously the problem is you can lose but then you can lose like when the stakes are up you lose so hard that it's so bad but um it's that it's the lack of certainty of winning and actually the odds of almost being stacked against you a bit that actually makes it exciting.
0: Because then you feel like you've accomplished Exactly.
1: Something. It really feels like it's an accomplishment. And I feel sometimes the same way about elections in the sense of, I know, I'm a big, like I said, hippie, liberal, lefty, flipping <laughs> tree hugger. And I'm cool with that. And I know that the people around me, like in society, aren't don't feel exactly the same way as I do. And that's fine. Um and a lot of the time elections will be the status quo or it'll be disappointing or you know it'll be a lurch to you know what I you know especially in the last Westminster election in GB in England you mm. know the the fact that Boris Johnson did so well in spite of just all the ways he was everything. incompetent and everything mm. yeah and that can be just can be quite disappointing but it's those little wins you know the 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 you know the the time when you see it's for the time when you see the body of the electorate making decisions, um, as a con- and, and and proving that no people don't just vote the same way all the time. That does it for me. For example, and again, I'm not expressing a party preference here, but for example, the time that um, I remember and I remember sitting watching it, and the time that Peter Robinson in East Belfast, uh-huh. um, and it was widely expected that he was that was his seat, and Naomi Long got it from a party. Watching, yeah. I remember. Get, I remember watching it. I was in. I was living in a house in Ormo at the time, which was killing me slowly with mold and dust. <laughs> and um, and I, Dave had gone to bed, and I was sitting there, and I was on. I was on Twitter as well, and I was you know so I was doing a bit, a bit on Twitter like, and the, obviously the the sort of commentary was coming in and the tallies and what people was looking at, and we were thinking, no, can't possibly, can't possibly be. It can't possibly be. And when it actually came through, I went and I woke up my poor husband. I was <laughs> like, come on, this happened, this is politically monumental. And for me, I'm, I'm not making a comment necessarily about the parties, mm. but it was. It shows that something really fascinating. All those people who made that decision, none no, them talked to each other, they didn't confer. It's not like the whole people in East Belfast all got together in one enormous, you know, church hall that's the size of it for a, like, <laughs> 20,000 people and all said to that, are we doing it? Are we doing it? Right, that's not, that's not what happens. But it's when those changes and shifts happen and everyone has independently come to that conclusion themselves. Mm-hmm. Obviously the like, political commentary and local commentary and around kitchen tables does influence that. But the fact that, you know, and, but often the commentary can happen and the result doesn't happen. But what, like it's the times when everyone by some weird magic osmosis makes the same choice. And it was the same in the South, Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things, and again myself and my husband were were arguing about this a little bit, he was convinced, and he was probably right to be convinced, um, because history has shown it to be true, that the polls showing that Sinn Féin were going to do really well were overstating things, because it always happens, you get polls and people saying, I'm going to vote Sinn Féin, the the polling shows that they're going to do well, and they never deliver on the day. And for some reason, this time round, they didn't tell the truth. And not only did that happen, so not and, and it wasn't just in one constituency. It, so it's not like, the, like, how could the whole of Ireland get together and be like, right, right lads, what exactly. are we doing here? They didn't. So it's just how that, you know, how communal thinking can happen without there being any, you know, any town hall or meeting place for them to all come together and, and you know, make a decision they were all going to do that. And the fact that it happened across the country, and it was like it can't—that can't be underestimated, because the two-party paradigm in the South, where since the beginning of the existence of that state in its current, you know, conceptualisation, since it um, had um, independence from from the, from Britain, um, it had always been one or the other, either Fianna Fáil mm-hmm. or Fine Gael. Swing, 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 back and forth. There we go. This is literally the first
0: time that didn't happen. And do you think it's just the current environment that we're in at the moment for it to be a momentous change of people, because as you, I mean, you're quite right. I mean, the, the argument of maybe East Belfast not getting together, you know, we could say, well, you know, maybe largest ways of the community and got people together and doing that. A, yeah. But you're right in terms of, um, the Irish elections when, you know they were coming through and obviously um, as I was watching them kind of going I'd never part of the, I didn't know that that place existed in Ireland or you know I didn't I didn't know that that was what's called or I didn't even realize the amount of districts that were there or that you know because you, you think of kind of like the large counties but you don't think of all of those smaller conti- constituencies yeah. and those different things and is it that we are just in a place now where people are going we don't want the two-party? Do you think it was just a protest vote in the way that, you know, that Brexit was a protest vote? Or was there something larger going on that you see in terms of your analysis of elections as you've watched them over your lifetime? That you're going, something is changing here? Or is this just, no, it's just a big cycle and um this will happen again or Mm -hmm. is there a larger contextual change here or is it just this particular election that this happened at?
1: Um, Well I think the Irish example is interesting because Ireland did the opposite of what everyone else has been doing. You know austerity has bitten and they moved to the left instead Mm -hmm. of the right which is crazy when you think about it. what's happening in the rest of Europe and the states and everywhere else. Um, But I think the Irish election has to be taken in the context of the societal changes that have happened over the past number of years. First of all the marriage equality referendum Mm -hmm. Um, Ireland, we, I suppose we have to understand, has been really in the grips of the Catholic Church for quite a long time right. and maybe my language is quite politicized there because I do feel quite strongly, mm-hmm. my, my family have been directly affected by it. So, and with the, When the marriage equality thing happened and then you had the repeal the eighth referendum mm-hmm. short a few years later um, and you know I know that I personally having not lived there for quite some time, I used to, I lived there between 2000, 2000 and 2006 I lived in the Republic of Ireland um and having lived there and, and seen there and known them, I genuinely didn't think that the repeal referendum was going to pass. Okay. Even though the marriage equality referendum had, I just didn't think that Ireland was there yet or, you know, could get over the sort of Catholic messaging on abortion and things like that. And boy was I wrong. <laughs> Do you know? And actually it passed by a greater margin. And you actually what I feel happened was that it wasn't polarized conversations that happened. The marriage equality referendum provided a template in a similar way that the Scottish mm-hmm. independence referendum did for civic discourse. Civic discourse that was just being open and talking about what people think and actually bringing in stories of real regular people and wondering, well, if my son was gay, you know, how would I feel? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, exactly. and actually, you know, I, I think that that happened and it happened with with people being for maybe the first time comfortable to not think, well, I have to vote this way because the church says so. Um, and I think there's, I know there are a lot of people who would consider them to have to be very, very devout Christians and Catholics, mm-hmm. who nonetheless voted um, yes in both of those referendums. Um, so I think that that civic conversation that had been happening in the Republic um, has been what's built on that. And, you know, I remember my other half who's from the South saying that his granny and him were talking once about an ordinary election coming up and she said, I'm sure obviously you're voting for Fianna Fall and Dave said, what granny? And she's like, because everything else is a spoiled vote and he said, what do you mean? She said, your grandad told me and all her life, her husband had told her anything other than voting for this one party is basically throwing your vote right. down the sink and she genuinely believed that and this is a woman in her 70s um, and I think that there maybe was quite a lot of that, maybe more so back in the day, people just thinking, not even consciously, like I don't even mean as, no. I mean on a more subconscious level, feeling that, well this is the way I vote, this is the way we vote, these are the people who we are, and it's connected with that and um, just, I think that people, there was a bit more freedom after the civic dialogues mm. happened with regards to those referendums, where people thought, well you know what, I can just vote how I feel, and actually I don't have to accept. And it's going to be okay. The I mean, world isn't going to fall yeah. apart, you know what I mean? And, um, and I think that people did a bit of that. Now, as to whether this is a huge protest vote, now it, it obviously, like it has to be said with regards to what's happening in, in the Republic of Ireland at the minute. You know, me as an outsider from the North see this Fine Gael government, and all I see is how well they've done in terms of statesmanship on a foreign policy level when it comes to Brexit negotiations. But what was shown in the exit polls is that less than 1% of people gave a single crap. About that, right. uh, people who were actually living in the Republic of Ireland—they could not care less about that. What they cared about was that there was a huge and increasingly visible housing crisis and, and homelessness. But not just in terms of homelessness and in terms of people who are right at the like the marginal, you know, teetering precipice of of uncertainty about li- their lives and and you know and poverty, but also people who you you might have expected to be on the housing ladder by now. And so it was people who, whose kids can't get get to buy a new house and they're in their thirties and they their parents are thinking, That can't be right. Do you know? That's not how it was for us. And I think the more you saw that and the less you saw the government genuinely doing anything to yeah. sort any of that out and then thinking and said, We're gonna build a water park or whatever or white water rafting centre whatever because that's what all the homeless people need in dublin and um, i think people just got very peed off and thought you know no this is this is not you know something has to change um and i think and i'm glad that when it came to fiona fall who were you know basically the ones who brought us austerity and the, the the crash in the first place they didn't the electorate didn't forget as easily because they do enough a lot mm-hmm. of the time. In that two-party swing, that kind of it's, you know, it's, it's easy to, for, to forget, but I think the fact that it's taken so long for a recovery to happen, and it, that it hasn't happened for a lot of people who are hearing about this recovery yeah. and hearing about these green shoots of flipping economic recovery, and they're thinking, well, I'm still skint,
0: right.
1: you know? So I think that that's what's kind of broken it. And I, I think it's a good thing. When I, when I see what's happening in, in the rest of the world and how establishment politics is being challenged, and there are some pretty ropey results actually. When you look at Donald Trump, like I mean, it's it's yes, you know, you just, just put your head in your hands and, and and wonder, like, do we all just need to become extinct? <laughs> but um but yeah, it's it's at least interesting times where people feel that, you know, their vote is worth something. And I, I, I and that's that that's not a bad thing
0: if you see change happening. Do you think so it's an interesting point that you're making there in terms of people Feeling like their vote is worth something. Mm. So clearly, you know, in watching the Irish elections, um, it, they're not. They they clearly brought in a third person. And um, in terms of where, if Sinn Fein had run more candidates, the presumption is that actually they would be the ruling party the at the says. moment. And and in fact, when you think about it, Fianna
1: Fáil are the are essentially you know by one seat the ruling right. party, but they're one seat is an automatically gifted seat of Concordia. So Concordia is the speaker, of the chair. Right. So they actually got a freebie. So actually it's even Stevens and with Sinn Féin on the biggest percentage. So absolutely mathematical certainty if they had run in the right places, right. the right number of extra candidates. But then how do you know that? You can never, that's exactly. the great thing about elections as well, that, you know, sometimes it doesn't have the predictability of more so with first past the post there's more predictability because it's just it's a threshold it you just have goes to, in to and then down. yeah but the gloriousness of the proportional representation
0: single transferable vote system is you just <laughs> never know what's
1: going to happen which so is exciting.
0: right so and and they didn't so they didn't so they didn't run the candidates if they had they might have been very clear they didn't so now we have this situation where as you're saying because of Concordia, we've got um a one seat advantage technically yeah um
1: not that it matters because
0: really None
1: of them have enough like it's the it's the numbers to make up the right. majority. It's so splintered. there is no majority party so. so
0: and and there's and there's my point there. so people were they did this vote, and they're going, yes, my vote counts and and so we're not going to we're gonna we're gonna make it count in a way that we haven't before mm. we're gonna try we're gonna try something new and radical and not just going back to what we know mm-hmm. as in most two party systems, you know you you see that. Very clearly in American elections we have a Republican Party, then a Democratic Party, and there's never kind of any yeah. mix up yeah. of that. And, the likes of and Ross and Perot used to pop yeah, his head and the, just to make to dirty the water, yeah. he's
1: never he was never going to be elected. Yeah,
0: exactly. And the Congress, you know, in the midst of um, every presidential term is always it's flipped. It's it's really rare yeah. that you you keep your you keep your majority the whole way. So um, this Irish election they went, no, we're we're done with that. We wanted to, uh, our votes count. Um, they get Sinn Fein to the point where everyone's just like, What is happening here? You know, they could be um the one with like the most seats, mm-hmm. um, which would indicate that they would be the one making the majority, um, or making up the majority of these of these different parties. That didn't happen um because of how this worked out. Do you think that people will continue to have that faith that they're voting actually counts given the discourse of the party going, I am not going to talk to Sinn Féin about making this majority. I'm not going to do it because we know best. And in a sense, telling the people, yes, this is what you've said, but this is it's back to politics as, as normal yeah. because you there wasn't enough done in order to kind of yeah. uh, shake them off their feet.
1: Well, I think a few things you know, one, what happens in an election and what happens after are two different, very okay. different things. Um, and I um, I regret to say that I find what happens after to be much more boring because it's not, it's not as high-octane <laughs> for me. I, uh, what can I say? I'm a fair weather election watcher. I like the, I like the exciting bit, but everything after, i something. like, oh, I'll catch it up on, you know, like, I'll, yeah, I'll catch it up, it's fine. Um, the, I suppose what's happening now is that, you know, I think the last time when it came to Trying to, because like I said, yes, um, Ireland is a two party mm-hmm. um, system, but they've had to have coalitions for a very long time. You know, they ne- there's never been such an outright majority for ages that, that, you know, I can think anyway. And certainly in the last one, it ended up being Finnegale being government, but with a confidence and supply deal with Finnafall right. to make up just so that they could have the numbers. And I think that took six months to negotiate. So what's happening now is it like this negotiation, which it could take a long time, mm-hmm. and it depends on how you know how it all looks and how each you know of the smaller players, and um, you know h- how they how they fall. Like I know that there's been discussions about the Greens propping up another Fianna Fáil Fine Gael partnership. Um, And there's certainly been a lot of media rumours. I think a lot from news outlets who would like that to happen, and think if they write the news, then maybe it will (laughs) become that. Um, But only we believe. If only we just if we just believe it hard and write it in black and white. But um, you know, I you know I don't know what is going to happen. But you know, if if nothing is resolved, then the only thing that can be done is another election has to happen. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I think that's where people. The main parties are getting very very antsy because they're wondering if another election happens will it be that ireland will in their view cop themselves on and, they go and vote differently as ireland has done in the past and um, there were several referendums when i was living there on both i think it's like the lisbon and the nice treaty yeah and ireland voted no and um the government said ah will you vote again that was the wrong answer right. So it's, it's not that it would be the first time that the Irish electorate hasn't gone, OK, we've had our fun, now let's get back to normal. But I, I don't think so. so I, yeah. I think that you know, it's particularly since the dialogue of we won't, um, we won't work with Sinn Féin and that, um, and the attempts to mm-hmm. cut them out, even though they were the biggest party numerically, mm-hmm. might work against if, if it goes to another election because people don't like to be patronised. Now, you know, they don't like to be told, well, we didn't like your answer. We didn't like your sort of, you know, um, vote against the establishment. We are intending to keep the establishment going, you silly, silly people. <laughs> um, but again, what do I know? And that's one thing that elections tell me every single time because, you know, and I think, again, I'm a big hippie. And I think that everyone around me, like, you know, I think especially in this age of sort of you you curate your, um, at least your online Mm -hmm. friendships, and you can end up in your little echo chamber, and then you think that everyone feels the same way as you. And then you go, and the next day after you've placed your vote, you realize that all those people who live around you do not feel the same way as you (laughs) at all. And like, that's something that I suppose, living in one particular, the constituency I live in, you know, no matter who I vote for, like, you know, in terms of progressive, they're never going to get anywhere. There's one party that dominates. And I walk in to the electoral, usually a primary school, the, the, the election place, right. um, and I see all the other people walking past me and I say, good morning. And in my head, I know that there are probably those people who vote completely differently from me, but they're still just people. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And I think there is something about, um, I think there's something about our discourse today that is just so polarised that we forget that people that you know yes these people feel differently from you but they're still people and there is a missing space for like actual respectful debate to happen I'd like that to be you know not debate as in like going on Stephen Nolan I mean having a cup of tea and talking to someone who completely disagrees with you like I think that would be a great thing to have in our societies but in terms of elections they are that little reminder to me and they're a little reality check and they're a reality check. It could, it could be, a, like and when I was younger, I, I felt it very negatively. It's like, no one understands me, why is everyone wanting to be so But the older I've gotten, the more I've thought, well, you know what, people disagree with you. Mm-hmm. and But yet, you still go to the shop and you still say hello to people and, and all the rest. And actually, it is possible to coexist and actually quite like people as people mm-hmm. that you may disagree with fundamentally politically. And to be able to sort of have those conversations and do that, I think makes for a healthier society. Um, for example, I watched, I rewatched, i hadn't watched it in ages the film *Good Night and Good Luck* last right, night because yes. David never seen it, and it's um, and David Strathairn, um and George Clooney, and it's about um, the McCarthy witch hunts yeah. and how CBS is it Edward Morrow, the yes. the, the 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 news dude anchor personality guy legend legend <laughs> yes and <laughs> yes. um, how he just refused to um to bow to that kind of pressure but one of the things that mccarthy threw at him was that he was um thanked in a footnote mm-hmm. in a book of someone who was british and um, I, I believe socialist and he said well actually i'm i don't believe it is his political opinions but the man and i had a lot of great discussions while we weren't politically in the, the same way we did value each other's intellectual opinion and each other's company mm-hmm. and it just struck me that that's where we need to get to and I think the more I think about elections the more I think we they should there should be like you know like after you get like you, you get your blood taken that you know you get like a maybe a biscuit and, a, and some orange juice I think it'd be after you after you vote Maybe there should be like, you know, flasks of tea. And then everyone can stand around together and realize, hey, no matter how we voted, we're all part of the same community. We're all nice people. And maybe it would, you know, I don't know. That that one came, that idea came
0: out of nowhere. If you were in charge of everything Mm -hmm. and you could have your way and be able to say, there's all these different systems of voting, there's all this different way. but here's here's the here's the best way, um, yeah. and you could take from whatever you wanted to take from, mm-hmm. and you could make it last as short or as long as you wanted. Um, what what is your system? What what is your voting system for the world?
1: I do think that proportional representation and the system that we have here in Northern Ireland is fabulous, um, I don't think we know enough about it okay. to understand how to use it well enough. Like we've been given this gift where we don't have to vote tactically, we can actually just really interrogate how we feel mm-hmm. and how we feel about how we want our country to be, how we want decisions to be made and, and really look at those preferences. Um so I think that every place should have a system like that whereby you um, you don't have to vote tactically. You can you know every every your vote can be completely genuinely how you feel after you've taken in all the factors into consideration. Mm-hmm. But what I think should also happen is that there should be a civic education for people to be to be informed of the power of that vote and how to use it to the maximum and to use it completely um, so that it is more of a full reflection of who you are and what you think. And I think that those discussions might also then help people overcome what is kind of a really reasonably felt political apathy mm-hmm. because You know, you vote for people, they go away, they disappoint you, they, you know, misappropriate your money and then they come back cap in hand saying, oh, you vote for us again now because you do want them to get in, you know, and that's that can be a very, very frustrating thing. But I think what we have here is a system whereby you can actually vote how you think. and I think that that is something that particularly within two party Mm -hmm. um, political systems no one's going to want that. Like, you you, you get you bring that to either the, Re- the Republicans or the Democrats, they both say not to chance, exactly. because that allows for, you know, that breaks the, 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 the two, mm-hmm. two-party rule. Um, so it's not an easy thing to bring in, but in an ideal world, if I was a benevolent dictator who only dictated this one thing before <laughs> then passing over to the electorate, <laughs> um, it would be to make that... So proportional voting, multi-party system. Proportional voting multi party system with mandatory discursive political civic education from the youngest that I could possibly think in schools. Great crack. (laughs) Get on that.
0: (laughs) What you had said to me when I said, Listen, give me something to do that will help me understand Mm. all of this love and passion. I'm watching the Irish election, and I, I mean, no surface about. You know Irish politics in terms of I know that there's two parties that are that are very samey but different in two kind of very fundamental ways Mm -hmm. and you know have kind of come up from the same way and it's like well they they all started at the same time but these people supported this part of it and these people supported this part of it and while they support much of the same thing and kind of came from the same people this is kind of how it's branched out and Sinn Fein has always been one of those things where it's like you know, we're we're always we're always trying our hand there. But for me as an outsider in terms of being in Northern Ireland and being an American it always seemed, you know, um, because of the ties to the IRA, that mm-hmm. it was always a, a something of the party in the North trying to get a foothold of the party in the South and, and mm-hmm. take it back to making sure that this the, the United Ireland was, was back on the table and mm-hmm. not really knowing much more about that. The the interesting thing for me was that as Sinn Fein got more and more votes, the reactions of and the reactions of the parties was the indication to me that there was something going on here that hadn't gone on before mm-hmm. um, and obviously you know it was kind of texting you going this seems like it's significant is this significant and then you, you know your replies were an indication that yes this is significant. so now we know afterwards and you're going oh yes I made I made this great choice and yeah. yes that that is that was the perfect you know, election you, you might have been bored out of your mind right. I do so. <laughs> so do you feel like this the sense of, of having this excitement for the election has to do with your general, like who you are as a person, really loving statistics mm. and really having to do that. Just, so, I'm not a maths person. Um, and, you know, statistics are fine and I appreciate statistics and I appreciate the information they can give us. Do you think that that is an element that is required to have as much excitement about? What is a straightforward election? So the Irish elections were great because I was like, oh, there is something happening here. Oh, this is quite interesting, and made me want to like, you know, look at the Twitter feeds and kind of look at what mm-hmm. was going on. Um, whereas if it had just been a straightforward election and it didn't have that, do you think that part of what makes you so fascinated about that is this, whether it's hereditary or whether it's just mm-hmm. something that you've, your environment and you've grown up in, sparks that this is another way that I can I can feed that passion rather than it being about the election itself well there's definitely a part of it that is just me being a a huge raging nerd about these kind of things (laughs) there's
1: no doubt about it but what I would say is that yeah we got lucky you got to watch actual history unfolding before your eyes but what I would say is that every election is a possibility for history to unfold before your eyes and it's the anticipation of the possibility of that that makes it quite interesting secondly I'm not necessarily a big, like, don't have a massive boner for stats, like, as a general rule. (laughs) It's only with regards to things that I'm interested in, like topics that I'm interested in, because they tell the story that the headlines don't. And I suppose when it comes to elections, you could just go to bed and wake up and be like, oh, that's who won, that's who won, that's who won. But you won't see that that person only won and they didn't get until the sixth count. And the only reason they won is because this person instead of this person ended up getting knocked out first and their surplus pushed them over the line. You know, you don't see the, you know, it's it's like watching horse racing, but only to, or it's like only watching the results, the results, getting results of horse racing instead of watching the actual race. And the race itself says a lot about how people think much more than the results themselves. And it was the first time that, um, let me see, the leader of the, the main party, the leader of Fianna Fáil, the other party as well, neither of them got elected in the first vote. The taoiseach of um, Simon Coveney did not get elected in the first vote. All those places were were held by Sinn Féin. That that was unprecedented, and just I think the the devil in the detail and the story that that shows and how it is actually quite like the the maths shows people moving ahead and behind, quite like a horse race, Mm -hmm. like a nose ahead and not behind, but then this happens so that, you know, it's a a story and it's a drama. And the drama of it, sometimes for me, is more interesting than the outcome. Mm -hmm. Because if you just look at the outcome without any context, it's like, oh, okay, that's what happened, that's who won and you just think of that person as winner and everyone else as losers you don't see the almost dids and the almost ones and the fact that the person who's now in third actually was way ahead at the <laughs> beginning but like the people who gave them first preference no one else gives second preference to it, you know yeah. so you don't see the movement there and um, so I do think when it comes to stuff like that there is an interest there's 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 a, there's a there's an excitement to watching it anyway and also if you watch the programs like I do think I think you know that the Irish election coverage was actually excellent. It was a really good example mm-hmm. of election coverage as well, um, because they will, um, and obviously a lot of p- places do this to a greater or less extent in terms of getting the analysis in there, getting a balanced analysis, getting you know people disagreeing with each other, but also having people who are long in the, either long in the tooth enough or have enough historical knowledge to be able to tell you, well, this is how this one constituency has changed in the last 30 years. Like this is how people have have changed their thinking. They've all lived in term and feckin' where the <laughs> potatoes come yeah. from, in this wee tiny place. And this is how their thinking has changed over decades. And it takes you away from there. Is a, a real sense of immediacy, and um, you know, ticker tape news, and only read the headlines, and only read the like, you know, only look at the, the summaries, and you know, something is a massive news story until three hours later, and then it's forgotten about eternally. And there is something I think just actually quite nice about election coverage because it actually brings back the entire history of each constituency and talks about how people have thought for a long time and it reminds you, it reminds me anyway, that we are small, infinitesimal beings Mm. and we think we live for a really long time but 70-80 years on this earth is a blink of an eye and you think five years is long in politics, it is nothing when you look at the entire history spanning out um, behind you and, and like its analysis being brought to bear on the decision that's been made this moment. So I find that that, maybe it's a history buff in me, kind of enjoys that as well because I might not sit, sit down and read a load of books about all those different parts mm-hmm. of Ireland or America or England or what but getting those little snippets of analysis and expertise from people who know I, I love, I could, I could listen to someone talk all day about something they know a lot about. Um, reg- regardless of what it is, if you know if they're passionate about it, you know fill your boots. I can just listen you talk all day, and that's one thing I love about it because I think the people who are on those shows are equally excited about it. Yes, and they also know more than I do, and I love that.
0: I have to say that part of the excitement that came for you from from watching the election was when I was talking to you, and the excitement that was in, even though it was only on text, the excitement that was that was coming through those <laughs> was making me kind of go, oh yes oh okay oh I I get that and not all of us can have a Louise um, on call during an election right so when elections come around we can all populate our places to kind of go right Mm -hmm. let's get this excitement going so if you were to um, have an idea of this is this is how I want everyone to watch elections because if I know you I know if you watch it this way Mm -hmm. this is going to be the way to do it so I mean like you sitting here and talking about it like I can feel myself going oh yeah that's right but I know that like once you leave and we stop talking about it like it's going to go out of my head like it's not something that I'm I'm not going to look forward to it I'm not going to kind of go oh yeah you know she made good points but am I going to am I going to put as much effort into it as um as you would Mm -hmm. probably not um but if if an election so the American elections um, coming up even just you know the the big Tuesday elections that mm-hmm. are around the corner here yeah and um, you kind of go everyone needs to watch these what what environment what what should we be watching what should we be doing is there is there like a food that we should have like what what makes it you know okay I'm gonna, I'm
1: gonna put it in very American language and you should treat it like the Super Bowl okay you should get mates around you should get um, either like your favorite foods or easily grabbable taco type snacks and for (laughs) me it's all like so sometimes i watch election election results coming in with my sister and because she's also quite nerdy about it and sometimes i watch it with my husband because he's also quite nerdy about it and every time i whatever it is i watch i would always have usually i get a nice chinese in okay and a bottle of whiskey um, and some ginger ale. food yeah, I'll, but yeah, like I'd say, treat it like a Super Bowl, and also I'll take the morning off <laughs> and you know, surround yourself with fun snacks, and you know, watch it all come in, and, and I think as well, the fact that we have the likes of Twitter is game changing, mm-hmm. because if you can't find those one or two people that are really into it to come and over to your house, you can like that's what I did when it was um when I was sitting watching that election alone with my husband asleep in the other room. I was on Twitter and I found my tribe of, and it's not a tribe of people who support a particular party, Uh it's people who are just really into what's happening (laughs) and you just find the hashtags and you just look at the analysis and it's just really interesting how like different people bring different expertise to the table and and it is, it's like having a viewing party. Mm -hmm. It's a Twitter viewing party like you would for a film or, or anything else. Um, I, personally, I'm a big fan of like having making sure there's enough blankets and snuggly jammies and things like that, um, just to make sure that we're going to get through the evening because it's going to be a long night. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, and if you yeah if you can't find if you can't bring your people to you, find them either online or in the case of the Scottish referendum, I had a friend from Glasgow. Um, and we were just texting back and forth. So it was myself and Dave in the room, and I was texting her, and I was on Twitter, and my laptop going, and I'm on my phone, and I'm on the TV. Yeah, multimedia. Turn it. Find a multimedia
0: suite. So Twitter's definitely something vital. Um, that it has made quite an impression on uh, uh, society yeah. um, in terms of, of communication, um, and in in a, in a good way, and and in sometimes a negative way. Like yeah. I mean, obviously, if we look at currently you know, how people use Twitter.
1: Yeah. And Um, I have to to say at this point, I am not a big Twitter user, so I, I, because I have to use it for work because I'm a communications professional, my personal account lay dormant for about six years there. And I would just check in when it's election time, find the hashtag and follow it. So I wasn't necessarily contributing, I was just leeching off everyone else (laughs) and then
0: disappearing into the ether because I don't want to have to deal with like all the trolls. But you do find that it's it's one of those things that you can you can connect into and it, it just maybe enhances what is already out there rather yeah. than just staying to maybe more traditional mediums.
1: Yeah. And I think the key to that is not just listening to who you're friends with, you know, you look at the hashtags, look at what's trending, you know, obviously it's, it's not fail safe because actually the demographics that tend to be on Twitter don't include the over 65s right. who are big, big voting populace and often can like, for example, again, Scottish referendum, the you know, the words that were coming out and the the, the the hashtags that were trending, the words that were trending on Twitter with regards to the Scottish Indie Ref was yes. Everyone thought just by their social media analysis that, that yes, it clinched it. And actually, once the result was in and the, the, sort of the ink had dried and everyone then looked at the demographics, up until like the age of like 45 or something, it was yes, there was a majority. But those over 65s, so like 70%, 60%, 70%, no. And that just completely turned those tables. So I suppose you have to, there is a health warning that comes with, oh, I can't believe I just said that. This, is, this result comes with a health warning, and um, this, this prediction. Um, but yeah, there is a health warning that comes with um, with social media um, and, you know, whether you get, and how you use it to get something more than just your usual sure. echo chamber, I think is important. You know, expand your minds, people. But yeah, it's useful for us. It. And it's, it's good in that way. So final word. What would you like to leave us with for the love of god people vote <laughs> i'm not going to guilt people and you know say oh suffragettes died for this and all the rest of it just you know it's it you know even if you're not feeling it you know i think that there are a lot of people who are voting who vote just the way they they don't really interrogate it so much so if you're someone who doesn't vote get some pamphlets see how people feel go go shout at them when they come to your doorstep because you know and and yeah, if more of you did it, um, it's we would have a more. It's you to watch the election. It's all yeah. It's let's just, let's yeah, participate. Forget in soap opera. Yeah, forget about <laughs> you know it being a more representative government and you get what you vote for. Like, forget all of that. Um, just to make it more interesting for me, vote please. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Thank you very much. much.